The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When I found out I was going to be a parent, I immediately felt a lot of anxiety and worry. So I went on to BetterHelp to try to look for a therapist to help me with that. My relationship with my family and with my boyfriend and with myself were suffering. I really needed help. I was ruminating a lot. Really getting those thoughts out to a therapist and getting feedback was just life-changing. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll, and it's Friday, which means only one thing. The patented, much-anticipated, Duff McKagan joke of the week. It's Jericho, Duff McKagan's home. Hey, listen, you know why uh, Swedish ships have barcodes on them? So they can scan the Navy in. Thank you very much. Very much. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. I like that one. Scan the Navy in. Scan the Navy in. <laughs> oh, that's great. Thank you, Duff, for bringing the jokes every Friday without fail for almost five years now. And we'll have a lot of jokes on Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea, Four Leaf Clover. Brad Williams is our director of laughs. Kate Quigley, Raj Sharma, and Jeff Dye will be doing comedy sets. We've got lots of great music. The legendary Quiet Riot, Royal Bliss, Fozzy, Raven, the all-female Kiss cover band Pris, the Dave Spivak Project, Quarantine, so many uh, great shows and bands. You see Raven with Metallica uh, just in a couple of months now playing a Johnny and Marsha Zazula tribute show, uh, benefit show, whatever you want to call it. And Raven is going to be there, and they're going to be on the Jericho Cruise as well. What a huge year for Raven. AW will also be there, and we're going to have the inaugural crowning of the Jericho Cruise Oceanic Champion, Moose is going to be in that four-man tournament. Who else is going to be in the uh, tournament? We're going to find that out over the next few weeks to see who is going to take on Flip Gordon in the finals to decide the very first Jericho Cruise Oceanic Champion. We're also going to our first uh, first time ever to our own private island, Great Stirrup K. Book your cabin now. There's still a few left at ChrisJerichoCruise.com. And it's official. Fozzie is definitely going to the UK and Ireland for the Save the World Tour starting November 4th in Manchester. The voice is getting better. I'm going to be there. We want you to come join us. Go to FozzyRock.com for all ticket and VIP information. All right. Today on the show, Evan Husney and Jason Eisner return. But we're not talking about Dark Side of the Ring. Now, they've got a new show, a new series called Tales from the Territories. And they teamed up with The Rock and Seven Bucks Productions, Brian Gewertz, to do this one. Tales from the Territories premieres Tuesday, October 4th on Vice Evan and Jason are here to tell us what inspired this idea, how they teamed up with The Rock, and what it was like to film with some of the legendary talent they got to do the show with them. They do episodes dedicated to different territories based in Memphis, Mid-South, Stampede, and Calgary, Portland, World Class Wrestling uh, Championship Wrestling, Polynesian Pacific Pro over in Hawaii. 
the promotion run by The Rock's grandparents. They do a whole episode on the Andy Kaufman, Jerry Lawler angle. I'll share some great stories about that today here on Talk is Jericho. And wait until you hear the story they uncovered about the Jim Crockett plane crash in the Crockett Promotions episode. That's the crash that Ric Flair survived. There's another wrestler on that plane, but he didn't want to admit to being on it. He went to great lengths to distance himself and kayfabe the fact he was in the, the crash. It's a crazy story. Another crazy plane story involving Mad Dog Vashon and AWA uh, told by Jim Brunzel and Ken Patera, the one where he opened the plane door mid-flight. Jesse the Body Ventura alluded to that when he was on a couple months ago. They talk about some of the stories that Bret Hart shared during the Stampede episode. You hear who participates in each episode, what was like to track some of them down, uh, a little bit of the heat between some of the guys. It's a great, great uh, show about another awesome series from Evan Husney and Jason Iser. So here we go. Tales from the Territory, right here, right now, on Talk is Jericho. All right, so uh, back with Evan Husney and Jason Eisner, uh, my uh, partners in crime for a Dark Side of the Ring. And there was some rumors and innuendo going around earlier in the year that there would be no Dark Sides anymore, no, any longer. We'll talk about that later. There will be. Uh, but in the meantime, and in between time, you guys have been working on another project, which is just as interesting, but in a completely different way. And I love the title of it, Tales from the Territories. So uh, kind of run through how this all came to be and what exactly is it? Oh, man. Uh, well, thanks for having us back, first off. Always. Yeah, it's good to talk to you again. So yeah, Tales from the Territories actually started a while ago. It actually, in our minds, it sort of formed after the first season of Dark Side when we met Brian Gewertz over at Seven Bucks Productions a man I, I know you know very well. Yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and it all kind of was this perfect storm of things kind of colliding where, you know, Seven Bucks, you know, really dug Dark Side of the Ring the first season and they wanted to work with us and try to put together and develop a show that was, you know, that was examining a different side of the business, so to speak. And, you know, we're big fans of the territories and we wanted to just get more stories from that era out there. And so we worked with them and also, coincidentally, uh, this all kind of comes together, we also worked with Chavo Guerrero because mm. Chavo, you know, we met, you know, Chavo, we met you in the process of making the, you know, Chris Benoit uh, episode of Dark Side of the Ring. Right. And Chavo was working a lot, you know, he was working on Glow and then he worked on Young Rock. And so it was kind of this just perfect storm of all of us kind of coming together with these different ideas about wanting to do a show about the territories. And that's what it became. And. I guess what the show is and in, in how it's different than Dark Side is that it's kind of about getting the wrestlers together, you know, because there's been so many times and I'm sure obviously, you know, in, in your in your experience, but like, you know, where you just get a bunch of these guys together and you're fly on the wall for them reliving these wild and crazy life experiences that they've had in this crazy business and it's just like if you could have cameras to capture those moments of these guys telling these road stories and telling these crazy experiences, these 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 like kayfabe stories, you know, stories where right. they had to protect the business, protect their characters and stay in character, you know, risking their lives, actually, in many cases. And so we wanted to create a platform where, you know, wrestlers from the territories could kind of relive those stories amongst each other. So they so they're they're coming together. It's sort of a roundtable ish format. But then we're also doing some reenactments to bring those stories to life. And we've kind of built those out a little bit more. And uh, yeah. And and also when we were doing Dark Side of the Ring, 
those stories have to, you know, be able to be spread out over an hour of, of, of television where while we were on the road making that show, we would hear all these like awesome stories, but we knew they wouldn't be able to fit like an hour long. So we kind of collect them as we went along and thought, oh, if we ever have a chance to be able to, you know, immortalize these stories in a way that was always kind of like a dream of ours to find an outlet to be able to do that. The episodes that I've seen have all been really, really good in a completely different way from Dark Side. Because, like you said, D- Dark Side is obviously the story of one individual or one event, and you know it's it's dark by design. That's what it's called, Dark Side of the right. Ring. Whereas the Territory Show is a little bit more celebratory, yeah, funnier, and also too like you know you delve into some of this fish story aspect of, of the wrestling business where, you know, some of the guys are telling the tales that have been told so many times, you know, that they're not real or, oh, yeah. or, or, or have strayed far yeah. from the original, uh, yeah. you know, and I'm, I'm guilty of it as well. After 32 years, I'll tell stories as well. Where it's like, is that what really happened? Well, that's what happened now. Cause that's what I remember. Right. So you get to see that side of it too, which I really enjoyed. Yeah. It was sort of like, also, it's funny because we sort of call it like a tales from the crypt sort of format where we didn't want to like tell an exhaustive history of a particular territory because right. that would, you'd need zillion hours, you know, Ken Burns, you know. And that's that. a whole other style of show. Whole other style of show. So we knew we couldn't do that. That'd be just impossible for this format. So it's really about getting wrestlers together from a particular territory. So each episode focuses on one territory with a set of four to five different guys uh, and also uh, some of the women in the territory reliving just like five to six stories per episode. So it's like an anthology of these different stories. It's, It's kind of whatever the best, most entertaining story from that session was would sort of make the cut, if you will. And so that was kind of the way that we went about doing it. But it's been super cool, like working with Seven Bucks and obviously, you know, Dwayne Johnson being uh, also a fan of Dark Side and, and having him involved in the show is like crazy. Again, something I never thought is a fan of, you know, an Attitude Era fan, you know, that that would ever happen, you know, but it's, it's, it's been awesome. Well, just an entertainment fan, too, just how big Rock is and how much stroke he has. So is this a project that when you said when you met Brian Gewurz, was Brian meeting with you to pitch this show? Uh, or, or did you have to just meet him on a street corner or something? <laughs> no, it was, it was, um, well, Dwayne had, you know, shared on social media. Like he kind of, he basically put the show over on, on Twitter and it was like, dark side. Yeah. yeah. Dark side. And we just couldn't believe it. And so that kind of led to this sort of organic, well, we should meet, you know? Uh, and so, you know, our folks and their folks, you know, and we sort of got together in New York city and just started batting around ideas like is there another wrestling show we could do you know something that maybe wasn't like dark side of the ring but something different and this was back in 2019 this is you know right after season one and then it slowly evolved and then with chavo and everybody else getting involved it sort of just evolved into what it is now is this idea of like you know trying to examine the wild the wild west era of wrestling the crazy stories that that have lived on the legend the tall tales you know because right, 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 right. they are and, and it's very similar to like a rock and roll story type thing too you know road stories and so yeah and that's that's kind of how it got started and then we did pitch it around we pitched it around a lot of different networks and then you know vice you know came to the table and wanted to do it again with us so we're like cool and then we basically were off to the races pretty soon after season three and of, of dark side of the ring and so that's so we just kind of went right into that and so that's kind of what we've been, you know, getting this whole new show off the ground with new partners. It's pretty much taken up most of our time. Yeah. 
So that's pretty much what we've been doing over the last year. How involved was Dwayne in the series? Well, there were, um, you know, a lot of stories and folks like there's a lot of wrestlers that he wanted in the show, uh, which was awesome. Like, uh, you know, downtown Bruno, he's real tight with, of course, you know, him. And so we had Bruno in the show. We did a whole episode on, uh, you know, the uh, Polynesia Pacific Pro Wrestling, you know, which is basically, you know, the territory that his uh, grandmother, uh, Leah Maivia, ran. And so we did a whole episode around that and he has um, some input in that and, uh, you know, input in some of the other folks that came to the table for the shows and he voiced the introduction to the show. And so, and, you know, it was, yeah, pretty instrumental in wanting to work with us, which was so cool. So, yeah, yeah. it was so helpful. Like if there was someone we were trying to get a hold mm-hmm. of or, you know, they were on the fence about it, he would make that phone call and, you know, they knew that they would be in good hands with the rock and that he was going to, you know, take care of them. So, yeah, it, it helps us out. Yeah, it's it, it's interesting because I know, for example, with Dark Side, you know, WWE not really involved. For example, with certain guys, whereas, you know, in the shows that I've seen so far, you have a Jerry Lawler involved, and you have you right. know some of these different guys that are, that are kind of crossing the streams. I'm assuming that's that's a little bit of the Rock's influence there. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, we were able to, which was awesome, and that's kind of needed for the show. Like, you can't do a Memphis episode without without Jerry Lawler. You know, right. And so, yeah, again, that was sort of the power of, you know, Dwayne and Seven Bucks to make that happen to, uh, you know, reach out to WWE and get us access to, to Jerry Lawler. And we also got access, which I'm very excited. We all got access to Michael Hayes nice. for the Mid-South, uh, you know, episode, which was cool to have. We've always wanted to have him on camera. So, yeah, things like that we're able to, we're, we're, we were able to do because, because of that, uh, because of the partnership, which was awesome. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. before we start delving into some of the individual tales and stories and characters because there's plenty of them for example you've sent me a few of the episodes and one of them is is Kaufman Andy Kaufman and Jerry Lawler which is you know it's a great story a great tale I was watching it going like if you just switched it around a bit this could have been a dark side of the ring episode so how do you kind of you know decide that this is an Aussie song and not a Black Sabbath song. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, wow. Well, you, you know, you're 100% right. Absolutely. could It could have been a, uh, a Dark Side of the Ring episode. And it was just like this organic thing. I mean, when we were planning out this series, you know, we and trying to get, you know, certain folks, certain wrestlers on board for the show, we obviously were researching what their best stories were. We read a lot of the wrestlers' books. We listened to all the podcasts, shoot interviews, everything, just to get all the research of what the best road stories were. And um, obviously, when we're getting into Memphis, it's hard to ignore just the Kaufman-Lawler thing. And it, it's sort of, for us, like, because, you know, for those listening, the series, yes, the whole season is an anthology format of different little stories. But the Kaufman versus Lawler angle, we actually built out into an entire episode, right. which is the second episode you'll see. Um, on the air. And so, and, and that was just basically when we got there, 
we were filming with the guys. The chemistry was so good. And it was like, all right, let's tell the Kaufman story. And they just went and they went for like hours, you know? And so it was just this kind of amazing thing of just like, wow, we have all this material, you know, that's great. Right. And it was, it was cool because I'd never really heard Lawler's kind of just top to bottom perspective on the whole angle, you know, from the inside. It really feels like this, here's the Ocean's Eleven, how we did it, you know, sort of on the inside of this angle, which is so cool. And that's so emblematic of the territories, you know, of when kayfabe was at an ultra high and like, here's an outsider coming into the business and how are we going to protect it and make sure, you know, um, this thing, you know, fires off, you know, flawlessly. And so for us, it just was like seeing it unfold live, at the table and then being like, we got an episode here. So the Memphis territory actually sort of gets two episodes for Tales of Territories. It gets right. its own, you know, episode with different stories. And then it has this Kaufman Lawler thing. But yeah, so it just kind of happened organically more than anything. And I, I feel like it it really does it's so emblematic of like the territories. And it's such a perfectly executed angle, by the way, too. You know, so it's just cool to see that. I think the making of that. I think when you go delve back into that, again, cause I've, I've had Bill Apter on my podcast to talk about that. Obviously, Jerry's been on before as well. And, you know, like you mentioned, 40 years ago, it's unbelievable how deep into this Andy Kaufman was and went. And, you know, if you watch Man on the Moon, you see, you know, even when he when he died, people thought they had faked his own death because that was he was all about just fooling people. And I love the fact that even after his death, his parents or whatever it was were angry at Lawler for pile driving their son and, you know, hurting his neck. And just the whole thing of just how real they kept it, like, like even the balls for Jerry to go on national TV on The Letterman Show and slap Kaufman, like, that's hard to do. Like, I'm imagining myself going on The Tonight Show today and, you know, slapping you, like, you know, not telling <laughs> anybody. Like, you come off like a total asshole, which is the idea when you're a heel, but... It's almost like it's too far to where you're you're gonna like almost blackball yourself from you know the Hollywood you know uh, uh, cognoscenti so to speak. Just it's interesting to see how, how deep they went into that. Oh yeah, and that's just a huge like I don't know for us like any like there's so many stories in this whole season kind of you know about that but the lengths that you know these wrestlers would go to to take the angle out of the ring and to keep it, you know, to, to have it live on yeah. and to make people believe and to buy in. And um, for me, it's like one of the crazy things too, is that even after Andy Kaufman died and you see Jerry Lawler commenting on the death of Andy Kaufman, yeah. he still is in character and it's like, well, I didn't like the guy very much. And uh, you know, um, I don't know why you're interviewing me. You know, it's a sad when people die, but I didn't really like the guy, you know, it's like, even after that, you know, you're still taking the, the angle like that and it just speaks to that time you know and it's, it's i i find too what's so fascinating is often like outsiders that step into the wrestling world like you often hear stories where they don't like respect it and like you could tell andy respected the business oh, yeah. like, so much and that just hearing the wrestlers now talk about it it's like they talk about him like he's like one of the boys and like they have so much respect for him I just I find that so cool to, to see. What I find too, and before before you jump back in, Evan, is that when when Lawler said that about Andy after he died, that's the way Andy would want it. Yeah, like he yeah. want he wouldn't want him to to expose the whole you know angle at that point. Yeah, and it's it's amazing because obviously in the episode two you sort of learn about 
you know, how he was influenced by wrestling, even in his comedy, you know, he was influenced to sort of be almost a heel comedian, you know, in a lot of ways and, and, and trying to get that sort of negative energy reaction from a crowd. So he, he really picked up on that, you know, growing up watching, you know, uh, the, the wrestlers of the fifties and sixties. And, and so to see him apply that not only to his comedy, but just so like, just getting it, you know, and, 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 and how they both just masterminded such a great program that, you know, even Bill Watts, which is amazing yeah. detail in this episode. <laughs> That's great. You know, Bill Watts, one of the most, you know, hardened, uh, you know, Old practitioners school. of Pink Fave. Yeah. Yeah. Who, you know, I guess allegedly had said that uh, we sort of bought into the storyline even. It was that real. So I don't know. It's just uh, to me, it just feels like probably the quintessential territory angle, you know, for me. Sure. It's just so um, epic and it lives on to today and. And I'm I'm also glad they said that Andy should be in the WWE Hall of Fame at the end of the show. And I totally agree. I think that just oh, even though he never far. Yeah. And 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 you know, like even though he never worked, you know, in WWE, it's just the fact that that, you know, that just forecasted where sports entertainment would go, you know, especially mixing in celebrity with wrestling and doing it so well. Well, I mean, listen, I mean, you know, Antonio Inoki is in the W Hall of Fame, you know, like Stan Hansen, like these guys weren't really well yeah. known for WWE, you know, WrestleMania main events. So I'm I think Andy Kaufman, <laughs> right. You know, when you're looking for celebrities that should go in there, definitely. I think, you know, at this point, Andy Kaufman, Cindy Lauper, like those ones oh. are kind of the glaring omissions right. that aren't in there. Right. Let me ask you this, and then we can move on to some of the other t- topics. Is is when y- you use some of the footage from Letterman show, but it wasn't all of it. It was just the same clip a couple times. Did you were you only allowed access to a few seconds of footage, or w- w- how did that work? No, I mean we 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 basically used just just the key moments, gotcha. but we also wanted to you know do reenactments of those moments as well too, like of the slap and. You know, kind yeah, the of water uh, in his face. I remember that the yeah. water in his face, but also just the moments in between everything, like Jerry Lawler being led into the green room, you know, and 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 sort of, you know, so you can bring to life the idea that nobody else is in on this but those two guys, you know. And so we're really trying to build that scene out to kind of just right. you know, elevate it, so to speak. And, you know, well, you can always speculate, but I was thinking, like, once again, if this was a dark side. And I was thinking back to the David Schultz where, you know, you actually found John Stossel. Yeah. I'm wondering if you were able to contact Letterman, if he would have done something. I mean, it seems like a pretty monumental point in his career. Oh man. Um, had this been a dark side, a hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, uh, like totally. And, and I totally could yeah. see it too, because obviously, you know, it's a great story. It is kind of similar to that Dr. D episode a little bit too, just with like wrestling and pop culture and that whole thing. But yeah, had we done it for dark side, hundred percent, we would have, we would have reached out to David Letterman, but check that for sure. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Interesting stuff. Another one that, that we watched uh, that, that you sent me over. We in the Royal sense, me was AWA. And I see, see the Memphis one was great because these are all stories that, you know, you've heard to the grapevine and you've read or, 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 you know, being in the business as long as I have, you know, some of them, AWA is is great for me because as as everyone knows, that's where I grew up was in Winnipeg. So I got into wrestling through the AWA, through Stampede Wrestling. So those, that's another one I'm excited to, to talk to you guys about. But I really enjoyed the kind of cast of characters that you found because Memphis was Lawler and Dutch Mantel and, and Jeff Jarrett and Jerry Jarrett, which was great. Uh, AWA, you had DDP, which is cool. 
But then you had some of my childhood heroes, Greg Gagne and Jim Brunzel, who, of course, were the high flyers. Uh, Kent Patera, who I didn't recognize at first, and Mandela Effect. I thought he had died years ago. So the fact that he was in it was awesome. And then you had, uh, who was the fifth? I can't Oh, Medusa. Medusa, yeah. Medusa, yeah, which was great. So, you know, I'm, I, once again, I'm watching these shows going, oh, my gosh, I got to ask him to go on my cruise. And I got to ask them to go on the yeah. cruise. But that's the whole thing. How did you put together the, the, the kind of that cast of characters for AWA? Oh, man. Well, each episode kind of had its own, you know, challenges of, you know, just trying to figure out who would be the best chemistry-wise. Right. Because the show kind of works based upon, yeah, that chemistry between, you know, four to five different people around a table. So it was always trying to figure out balancing, you know, who gets along, you know, who, yeah, yeah, yeah. who, who would be good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even who, who are we going to sit beside each other? Like we, we yeah. spent so much time just designing the, like yeah. the seating arrangement around the table. Right. <laughs> totally. Totally. And, and just like, you know, what stories did we know we wanted to, to cover? And then, you know, just, yeah. So it was just kind of a, a process of trying to figure that out and then getting a list of folks and then seeing who was down to do it. Cause we had to fly everybody out to Atlanta. We showed, we shot most of the show in Atlanta. So it was just who was willing to travel, who was willing to be a part of it, who was excited about it, who had great stories and pretty much whoever had the best stories would get on the show. I feel like, you know? And so, right, right, um, right. and with AWA specifically, it was like, we knew we wanted the mad dog Vashon story uh, about the plane for those who don't know, is it's a legendary story about how Mad Dog, who was uh, on several different substances over the course of a single day, got onto Vern Gagne's private plane and decided to open the door when they're like 4,000 feet or whatever in the air and start chucking everybody's uh, bags out of the door. So that one we knew instantaneously had to have. So that was like, you know, Greg was on the plane, so had to get him. Obviously, Greg being the son of the promoter as well. And then we knew we wanted to tell the, the legendary story. Again, maybe could have been another Dark Side episode, but the Ken Patera, Masa Saito, McDonald's. What a great, great story. <laughs> the, that Ken Patera, Masa Saito, McDonald's, they go to McDonald's. We'll, we'll, we'll get into more. It's closed. There's a, a, an incident. The cops show yeah. up, and then Masa and Patera lose their f- minds and just beat up like 10 cops. Yeah. And exactly. I heard that story when I was, I remember reading that in the newspaper when I was probably 12, 11 years old in Winnipeg, wow. Patera and Saito arrested for whatever. And they, they did some serious jail time as well for that. They did. They yeah. did. I think almost two years, a little over a year or something like that. And yeah, it's a crazy story of like these guys and you know, Hey, traveling on the road, it's like hard to get food sometimes, you know, I know it's after the shows and all that stuff. And so uh, they were starving after many rounds of drinks, and uh, the McDonald's was the only thing nearby that possibly could maybe be open. <laughs> and uh, and then Ken Patera goes down there, and then uh, I don't know something happens, and then I guess a boulder goes through a window so at the great. McDonald's. Yeah. So the, the story always was that you know that that a boulder, a boulder once again a boulder, and now now I think, you know I mean it was it a rock or was it a boulder? Well, as time goes on, it's like it's like slap shot. He threw a keychain. Yeah. He threw a monkey wrench. He threw he threw a jackhammer. Hit him right in the face. Yeah, and like you said, it, he, when you heard it, it probably started with ten cops, and then like when we heard it, it's like almost like twenty cops. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. The best part is, and this once again, we're not giving anything away because you got to watch it. Is that, is that Patera claims that a kid threw a boulder through the window, and Jimmy Brunzel just just says, "Dude, come on, you threw the boulder, thirty-two pound rock. Who's throwing this?" He goes, "The kid was a big kid, and he's." Spatera was sticking to his story that a random kid walked by and threw a boulder through the window. 
<laughs> that's actually a pretty good example of how you know a story evolves over over time and um and again it was like sometimes when we're doing the reenactments to these stories it's like you know we want to leave that open to the audience you know to decide obviously where 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 they stand on that matter but also you know when Ken Patera is going off and he's just telling the story of like yeah we started stacking cops you know and all this stuff you know we're sort of leaning into his point of view with the story so you know you literally see a pile of cops stacked up you know? that's great yeah yeah the reenactment shows the cops stacked like cordwood yeah. you know and, and once again like i said like t- this is you know i mean the guy did two years in jail i'm not going to tell him that what his memories are aren't true right. yeah. but stacking cops after they've been maced if that's such an old school brother story you know yes yeah, yeah. It, it's so amazing too like what i love is just watching everyone at the at the table just laughing their asses off yes like to the story and same with the crew. Like everyone's just trying to like contain it while he's telling the story. Every single person on our crew, you know, it was like 20 some odd, maybe more people while Ken Patera was telling that story and just swearing and just this and that. Yeah. And it was just like, everybody could not hold it in. And it was almost impossible to film clean audio of that story. I love too, that like, you know, DDP who was in AWA started in there, not was not around in those early kind of glory years days. I know Paige very well, and he's watching, he's going, this guy is so full of shit. Like the the mad dog (laughs) Vishon story as well. Listen, yeah. I get it. The door is open. He's hanging out the door like, you know, he's so strong that the wind is not pulling him out. You know, I just it's very hard to believe. But it's like when I have guys on my show that, you know, have seen Sasquatches or they're flat earthers or whatever. They believe it. They are right. 1000 percent committed to the story. Right. And that's all that matters. <laughs> right. That's all that matters. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. So let's go through some of the episodes as well, because those are the ones that I've seen so far. And like I said, all of them are great. Uh, just incomplete. Like I said, I, I know the Kaufman Lawler story. I enjoyed it. But the Memphis and AWA ones I really got into because like they're old school stories. Like one more that we have to talk about Memphis. What's that guy's name? Mario G- Gilardi or some yeah. guy? What the hell? <laughs> Mario Galento. Insane. Yeah. So that was... Yeah, insane. Yeah. And, and, and that one, that one too is, is pretty classic. So, so, so Jerry Jarrett, you know, who was the promoter of Memphis, uh, before he sort of fully became a promoter in back in the seventies, he was also a wrestler, which I didn't even know by the time we did the show, really. I didn't know that either. I didn't realize that Jerry was obviously Jerry's the father of Jeff Jarrett. Yep. 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 And so he was a tag partners with Tojo Yamamoto. So there's this classic wild story where, um, essentially Roy Welch, I think who was the promoter in the seventies, as Jerry Jarrett tells it, he's his he was getting all he had Alzheimer's or something, and people were getting in his ear saying that, well, Jerry Jarrett's trying to run you guys out. He's trying to take over the promotion and push everybody out. And so the story goes that Roy Welch basically uh, approached uh, Mario Galento, who is this? If you, you got to see him to believe him, you know he's uh, he looks like he looks like Captain Hook. 
He does look he like does. He, he does. looks like Captain Hook, just an incredible face, <laughs> um, journeyman sort of, you know, classic heel uh, face, and he basically decides that on Memphis television, which I guess, and I don't think I've ever heard or seen of any tapes, but of this, but he basically decided to go into business for himself and attack Jerry Jarrett in the middle of the match and, you know, hitting him in the back of the head. And I guess it led to this incident of Jerry Jarrett ripping out Mario Galento's eye, which is a thing that we come back to a lot in our journey yes. with, with so many eyes have been ripped out in the last four years of our yeah. experience <laughs> making these shows. But Mario Glento lost an eye, and then it led to a whole other just snowballing of crazy stories of of guys coming back to the like coming back to get revenge with a knife. Yeah, you know, in the, the straight razor he comes to, to kill Lawler in the yeah. ring. Yeah, there actually was one more incident we didn't have time to put in there, but there was a second time he came back, and he came back Jeez. to the arena with like a gun, and his wife was there. And then some dude showed up and put a knife to his neck and was like, you never come back here ever again, you know? So it's just this crazy story of like, this would never, you could never imagine this happening today. But basically, yeah, a crazy wrestler going into business for himself and this real violent scenario unfolding in front of an audience. Yeah. So it's one of the crazier stories of the season for sure. Oh, absolute insanity for sure. And like you said, that, you know, that uh, getting your eyeball taken out was a real thing. And I can think of off the top of my head, and you probably talked talk to them all Jesse Barr in Portland, Hanson and Vader. Uh, this Mario guy, another Bad News Allen in Stampede. I don't know if you guys talked about it. I know Bad News a couple times threatened to take a couple eyeballs out, one of them being Owen Hart. Whoa. I think he actually even had it in the side of his. There's a famous story when Owen first started in WWE as the Blue Blazer. They were in Calgary and Bad News beat him. And as he's walking back out of the ring, he hears these cheers and turns around and Owen's on the second rope, you know, working the crowd after Bad News beat him. And not selling. And when he came to the back, so there's a, a threat or a, a takedown. And I listen, you ever do that again, I'll pop your eye out, kid. You know, you don't do that to me. So that was an old school brother way of uh, settling things. Seems a little bit extreme. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's just the way it was back then, right? That's just the way it was. And, and yeah. And again, it's like there's, I think there's another eyeball story. Uh, the Harley Race one with. Uh... Oh. Oh yeah, the, that's right. The heart. There was the Harley Race one with uh, what's his name? Um, um, Eddie Shark- Sharkey, right? Eddie Sharkey and the Eddie Sharkey. Order. Yeah, Jeez. yeah. So there's a lot of these eyeball stories that circulate over the years, and um, but this one, this one was just I don't know. There's it's some favorite eyeball. It's story. our favorite eyeball story. <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact though, like for you guys being wrestling fans, uh, and for everybody watching being wrestling fans, like this is something that you know the Rock. And I know it's just the way it was. Yeah. And I like when, when you get to hear like in the seventies and sixties and eighties, even up to the early nineties, wrestling was still the wild west of entertainment. Right. Nobody knew what was going on. And guys were very protective of the business to see how it's become such a huge corporate iconic form of entertainment. I mean, that stuff would never fly today, but what we're talking about was only, you know, 30 years ago 35 years ago it's not that long ago i know and exactly and and that for us like even in making dark side it's like the stories we love to include in the show or to cover were always that gray area you know blurring the lines right. between you know reality and 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 fiction if you will and um that was the baseline for the show it's like we were trying to find as many stories as we could that really exemplified 
that sort of 24-7 performance of wrestling, you know, of wrestlers living their gimmicks out of the ring, protecting the business. Those are the main stories that we really, you know, one that just comes to mind real quick off the top of my head is, uh, you know, we also did an episode on, you know, Jim Crockett Promotions Mid-Atlantic that's coming up later down the run. And, you know, everybody knows sort of the classic crazy story of the plane crash of 75. You know, Ric Flair was on the plane and, you know, a bunch of other guys and, you know, Johnny Valentine. And uh, one of the other guys that was on the plane was Tim Woods, you know, who was a babyface at the time that this crash went down. Mr. Wrestling, too, right? Or Mr. Exactly. Wrestling? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And 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 then everybody else, you know, were heels. So it was absolutely verboten to be traveling, obviously. Baby oh, wow. Heels. And one of the things I, you know, you hear about the plane crash and the what if story, you know, if things were different and stuff with that. But the one thing I didn't that really was just insane to me was how when they're pulling him out of the wreck, Tim Woods, he gave a fake name when he's being pulled out of the wreckage just so he nobody would find out in the newspapers that he was traveling with heels, you know, which is crazy. And then. When he gets to the hospital, he's got broken ribs. I mean, other guys broke their backs, you know, and you know, Somebody a lot died. of never wrestled again. The pilot died. Yeah. And so he's in the hospital. As soon as he comes to and realizes what's going on, he checks himself out of the hospital. Right. Just so nobody, again, would would put two and two together that he was on that plane. And he booked himself a match to wrestle a few days later just to keep up the appearances that, oh, no, I wasn't there in that plane. So a man Jeez. who's been in a plane crash, broken ribs. Seeing people die. Seeing people die. <laughs> yeah. Goes into the ring just to keep up kayfabe. And that's just, wow. I mean. That's yeah. how, yeah. And think about yeah. that. That's exactly how it was. Right. How important it was back in those days. You know, it's like when I talked to to Hacksaw Jim Duggan on Talk is Jericho a few years ago, obviously the famous time when he got pulled over with the Iron Sheik and yeah, they had yeah, cocaine yeah. in the car. It wasn't the fact that they had cocaine on the Jersey Turnpike that got them fired. It was the fact that they were traveling together and they were feuding. And it's like, you cannot, we can't allow this. Right. You have to be fired because, you know, the drug charge, uh, we can get you out of that. The fact that everyone knows that the Iron Sheik, the evil foreign heel and the USA guy are in the same car together. That's what we can't get you out of. Yeah. And, and wrestling sort of had this belief, you know, of if the business was exposed, if there was an expose or if there was something out there in the papers or on television, that ticket sales would actually go down. Right. You know? And there has been history of that, too, especially in the 50s. Like, I think after a major expose in the 50s, there wasn't wrestling in Madison Square Garden for a very long time. So I think everybody sort of lived with this fear of if it's exposed Right. You know, it's going to affect everyone's livelihood. So it was that sort of, you know, brotherhood, uh, omerta, you know, to really go as far as possible. And I think that's what always has attracted us to like, that's why we do the show, you know, and that's why we do dark side of the ring. That's like the aspect of it that we just, we find so fascinating that they would go to those lengths to protect the art form, you know, and the business, like there's, you just, that's unheard of in any other line of work. No, you're right. Omerta is the, is the perfect term for it. You know, the, the protect the mafia, you know, there's no such thing as mafia. There's no such thing as kayfabe. This is all real, you know? Exactly. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal And when you gamble, betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. 
Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Let's go briefly through the other episodes and just kind of let me know who was involved and maybe tell uh, you know one or two stories that are the highlights for you. Because once sure. again, the first three episodes were all great. I love. I just love the fact that you like you know Jimmy Brunzel. Like I was like, what a great pull that is. So <laughs> yeah, I'm going through your list. Your championship wrestling from Florida. Who did you have involved in that? Oh man, that's a that's another crazy one. Um, that's another <laughs> great a great a great panel. Uh, so you got Kevin Sullivan, Steve Kern. Bob Roop, nice, great, and uh, see now I got I'm on the spot here. I got to remember them all. If you don't get all of them, that's good. That's a okay. good collection. I'm sure. Well, yeah, I'm sure they'll come up as you go. So, so they're we're all kinda... like conflated in my mind right now because we're finishing. There's fifty. Of them. There's like, 50 yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it, it'll come to me in a second here. But the one anecdote from that episode that really sticks out is a. Oh, um, sorry, I just remembered. Gerald Briscoe was on the show. Oh, nice. So, right he, I love Jerry. Oh. It was, it was Gerald Briscoe and uh, B. Brian Blair. So that's the Oh, five. perfect. There you go. But the story that really sticks out to me from that episode is a, another amazing territory angle, which is uh, Bob Roop and Steve Kern. So Steve Kern, in, in real life, his father was a POW uh, twice, oh, wow. I think in Korea and Vietnam, I think. And so he was over in Vietnam, I think, for like seven or eight years and he was a POW. I mean, th- they got the letter saying that, you know, he had been deceased and they thought that his, their, their, his father was deceased for many years. And then, uh, then, you know, several years later, he's coming home and they brought him home. And it was a huge thing locally, you know, where, where, where he had grown up uh, with his father coming home from, from being a POW. And so, of course, like what wrestling does all the time, they work it into an angle, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and so the whole angle was Bob Roop sort of, you know, saying what a coward, you know, for him being a POW out there. And it, it really evoked this insane high octane emotion from Steve Kern. And it's just this wild angle and you see it, how it kind of came together and how it unfolded and, and just, yeah. And how insane it was. And then Bob Roop got so much heat from basically trash talking a POW that you had a lot of military people showing up to the arenas in support of oh, Steve wow. Kern. And he had people threatening his life that there was people with like anti-tank grenades that were going to blow up his house. And there was guys who were going to show up and, you know, shoot him in the head. He had a gun pulled on him over this angle. So again, just a real, just, you know, white hot heat ang- you know, a- angle that they had in Florida. So that's just one of the several anecdotes from that episode but that one's a great one too yeah once again like th- th- i hear so many stories because i live in tampa so there's you know and it's one of those things i'm sure you guys might get this if people ever you know find out that you're you know involved in wrestling they, people have to tell you any wrestling connection they have that's why i never talk to people on planes because like, what do you do i'm a wrestler really you know when yeah. i was 12 years old my dad knew andre the giant's gardener <laughs> and it was so funny the one time it's like if I'm a musician, do I have to say, you know, it's really funny. The one time I saw someone play guitar, right. <laughs> and it's like, they never, it's only for wrestling. Oh, wow. I used to know, you know, Dusty Rhodes, the armory. And it's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's still, <laughs> you know, Calgary's like that too. Like anybody who grew up in right. Calgary or grew up in Tampa or like any of these places, they'll still have that connection to the local scene. A hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. Let's talk about the, the Calgary connection. Cause this is one you guys actually asked me to be involved and i didn't feel like this is kind of once again being old school i didn't feel worthy 
because I never worked uh, for Stampede. Yeah. I could have given my thoughts as a fan, but it's like I wasn't there. So I felt like, what am I supposed to say to Bret Hart about yeah. Stampede Wrestling? <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's kind of why I didn't, I didn't want to do it. But who did you end up having involved in that panel? Yeah, that was kind of when we were trying to still figure out the format. Like, did did we need somebody right. to steer the ship, you know? Or just kind be of, like, that kind of outsider to, yeah. to ask questions. and Yeah, yeah. We're, we were trying to figure that out as we were going. But for Stampede, it's a great lineup. So we got Bret Hart, obviously, is in the show, which is great to work with him again. Abdul the Butcher, Dr. D. David Schultz. And uh, then as a fourth, do you remember No Class Bobby Bass? <laughs> sure. Okay. So <laughs> who was the third that you had? Dr. D? Dr. D. Okay, Abdullah no Bret Class Hart. Bobby Bass. No great. Class Bobby Bass. Yeah. yeah. And that was great because, I mean, so many, so much of when you're talking about t- particular territories, you know, territory, each individual territory is such the singular vision of its promoter. You know, I mean, it really sure. is that promoter. And so obviously with Stampede, like there's so much about Stu you know, in this Stu Hart in this, in this show. And there's so many amazing Stu Hart stories. And um, I think with this, like with the stampede episode, a lot of it is through the perspective of Brett. I feel like where, you know, Brett being, you know, second generation growing up in the business and not being smartened up. And that's another big thing. Right. You see a lot as a kid, yeah, as a kid, not knowing what's going on. And he always talks about, there's an amazing story about this guy, um, Archie Gouldy, the, mm-hmm. stomper, the stomper, right? Yeah. And and how like he would go on television and say, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna pile drive Helen Hart in the uh, like on the freeway, you know, or something like yeah. that." And he literally would think that like this guy's gonna kill my family, you know. And so <laughs> he, but he was never formally really smartened up. And this is you know he's a young teen in this when this is going on, and so it would sort of be like. Then he started seeing the stomper coming to the house to collect a check, you know, and then it started slowly piecing things together that this was a work. And um, and then it's great just to see him interact with Abdul the Butcher because there's this amazing story. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, when we uh, did the Montreal Screwjob episode of Dark Side of the Ring and we first met Brett and he was a, a big fan of Bruiser Brody. And that was our first episode. And we were telling him our experience with working with Abdul the Butcher and then he told us this great story that like just stayed with us ever since where when Brett was a kid, he remembers seeing like Abdullah wrestling his father, Stu, and uh, Abdullah was like biting onto Stu's face and like blood, Stu's blood was dripping all over him. And Brett was so scared because he wasn't smart enough to the business at that time. He like ran up to Abdullah and kicked Abdullah in the ass and Abdullah turned around with all Stu's blood on his face and just like growled at him, you know? And I was like, where did you think, like, <laughs> Abdullah was from? And he was like, I thought they brought him in from, like, some corners of, like, Sudan or some other place, you know? Sure, of course. And then, like, you know, then Abdullah is, like, coming over for, like, family dinners and yeah. stuff like that. And yeah. Abdullah actually saw Brett's parents, uh, Stu and Helen, as, like, second parents, you know, that they, they uh, like, Helen would... Uh, like make him a birthday cake like every year for his birthday, you know, and uh, it's just so sweet to like to see that connection, you know, and to know, you know, that Abdullah was just another like a guy from Ontario, uh, yeah. Canada, you know, <laughs> right? Yeah, totally. Larry, yeah, Larry, Larry, Larry from Ontario. I was like that when I was a kid. Though I remember I used to go hang out at the Polo Park Inn in Winnipeg and just watch for wrestlers. Yeah, that's where they all used to stay. And uh, Sika, who's actually Roman Reigns' dad. Yep. Or Afa, whichever one is his dad. I think it's Sika. 
came in and they had, he was, you know, from, from Samoa and they actually would do vignettes of Mr. Fuji having him eat raw fish and he couldn't speak yeah. English. And I walked up with a, with a pen and a paper and I was like, please, you know, sign, yeah. sign name, you sign name with the pen. Wow. He looked at me, he said, he goes, fuck off kid. <laughs> Amazing. And I didn't care. I didn't care that he told me to F off. All I cared was like, he speaks English. Yeah, right, ah, right. Oh, did anybody else hear that? So with, with the Stampede ones, so, so like you mentioned, you're talking more about stew and all that stuff. So was there more about the actual road trips and, and yes. because of the, the vans and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, definitely the like treacherous, you know, winter icy roads of death, you know, where yeah. a lot of these guys would be stranded and they'd have to like, you know, burn things to keep warm. And, you know, and it was like kind of putting your life on the line, you know, with some of those crazy trips they would do back, you know, in the stampede days. So we definitely get into that. We get into also you mentioned Bad News Allen. I mean, there's definitely right. There's a crazy story about a riot that Bad News Allen sort of started, which actually kind of killed the territory for a while. It actually Stu lost his uh, his promoter license and they had to start running shows on first nations reserves because yeah. of, of what had happened, you know, and bad news kind of getting pretty wild. <laughs> What's well, interesting too, because Ed Whalen, who was the announcer, right. Also had a lot of influence because he was kind of the liaison for the TV station as well. I think it was actually Ed Whalen who pulled it. Who's like, you know, I'm not involved. I don't want to be involved with this or something along those lines. Yeah, He right? basically quit. I think right after that angle yeah. too, and, and took was, the TV with him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that was, and I think that was the first time Stampede, because then Stampede came back, of course, you know, later after that. But yeah, just a wild story. So you kind of get a breath of, you know, sort of the evocative uh, elements of traveling, you know, in a territory like that with, you know, the weather conditions. <laughs> uh, Stu is just a colorful character, obviously. And, um, and then also just some of the wild angles that, you know, and riots are another big theme that come up a lot in the show. There's a lot of riot stories for sure. Well, yeah. And I think too, once again, before we move on is that Calgary was the one territory. I mean, we are talking, you know, Paul, Polynesian Pacific pro and, you know, Texas and Florida, there's no ice and snow in those areas. This right. is the one kind of frozen tundra. How the hell do you get to, you know, the show in a February uh, blizzard that you won't get in any other territory stories? Yeah, exactly. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. So who'd you have for the lineup for Portland? Oh, Portland's a great one. Portland is awesome. Uh, it's a really, really fun episode with a lot of weird stories. There's a lot of weird angles going on in, in Portland. But we had Len Denton, the grappler. Of course. Of course. You know, he was, he was a booker up there for a while. We had Princess Victoria, who we're fans of from season one of Dark Side. She uh, broke into the uh, that territory and has amazing stories, amazing kayfabe story that we wanted to make sure we got into the show we got bushwhacker luke so we got our first bushwhacker in there which is great and then we had this wrestler mike masters on the panel and you know unfortunately he's since passed oh wow yeah he passed just a few months ago um but uh, so r.i.p um but he was amazing on the show and i'm really 
glad that uh, we were able to get, you know, his stories. And he basically was, he was a wrestler in the territory. He also went around, he was an AWA, he went around the territories. But he also uh, was like Buddy Rose's, you know, right-hand guy. You know, and mm-hmm. Buddy Rose, Playboy Buddy Rose was, you know, the main heel of the territory. And a lot of the stories revolve around him. And so it was great just to have him to share that perspective and everything. And those four just go to town on some pretty wild and crazy stories. You know, it's funny when you you talk about like every one of these places has like the legendary, you know, uh, uh, stories and the legendary promoter. Obviously, Portland is Don Owens. And I was going to ask this before with the Calgary show and all of them. You know, with a lot of the guys that passed away and that sort of thing, do you have kind of a master list of guys that you try and get? Do you have like somebody saying, hey, you need to talk to this guy, this guy? Because I was thinking for the Calgary thing, it's like, oh, there's a couple guys. You could have gotten Jerry Morrow. You could have gotten Greg Gama. There's some guys like that. Was there somebody advising you or are you just kind of like throwing darts at a board and looking at a list of talent going, who's still alive? Yeah, well, it's that. But it's also like just, you know, researching the stories trying to trying to, and, we, and, and there's a lot of people we talk to too like we would do a lot of pre-interviews call people see what stories they got you know and then we would just kind of lay it all out and whatever kind of was fit with the best with like i said with chemistry and the best stories we'd kind of go there however you know if the show continues we do a season two three keep going we want to come back to the territories you know we want to come back to like do another stampede episode and right get, and be able to just have a whole new configuration of people and a whole new configuration of stories so yeah, the whole idea was to design each of the shows that they're not definitive this isn't the only stampede show we'd ever do maybe we do a stampede show every season you know and you get sure. a new lineup of folks and um and sometimes it also comes down to and it's happened more than once on the show is like i don't want that I don't want to talk to that guy, you know, right. I was going to say that with the, the personal issues, personal right? issues, you know, there's a lot of those that come up. So, so sometimes it's kind of just finding the best configuration of people that, you know, you're going to have some good chemistry and that's kind of how we landed on it, but we definitely want to. Yeah. And, and, and with Stampede too, like Brett is such a, you know, he's the kind of the star of the episode. We leaned on him to like, ask him like who he thought yeah. would be great at the gotcha. table. And he really helped us yeah. like, figure that out yeah it's great it's great that you ended up working with him again because i know it's been a couple seasons that, that, you, that you weren't able to yeah 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 Yeah, there was some like heat over the the montreal <laughs> screwjob episode but we're, we're all cool now yeah yeah well, yeah which is great it was so great to be able to work with we've always wanted to work with him again did so. you reach out to him and say hey brad it's us again we got something else yeah, for you. Yeah. don't kill us yeah something else you know and it, it worked out obviously you know having having brian and, and Dwayne in your corner too and you know we can we can make that work. So I tell you what, if you do a second season of the territories, you got to do the Winnipeg territory and have me, Don Callis, Lance Storm, yeah. oh. uh, Dr. Luther and Tony Candela, who's still alive. Oh, yeah, have, that's that'd right. That'd be the best episode of the whole territory. I'll that, tell you, that, I'll, I'll that's tell you right. What. Yeah. We got to get the death tours in somewhere here. <laughs> exactly. That would be a perfect place for that. Oh, we'd love to do that. We'd love to do territories that, you know, even like even Smoky Mountain, you know, like, yeah. oh yeah, you know, like, and even though it's not, you know, in the seventies and eighties, it's still a territory territory and there's still you know wild shit that went down there absolutely well let's let's get uh as we start to wind down go through the last few and who's kind of on the panel and maybe a, a story or two about jim crockett promotions yeah so the jim crockett promotions episode that was one where you know obviously you know travel has been so crazy over these last few months and we unfortunately kind of had a situation where we had some travel issues and because we had um nikita koloff booked on the show and then his flight got canceled. So the episode's a little anomalous to the others where, 
you have um, Nikita Koloff that we kind of filmed solo, but oh. the table is Arn Anderson, Baby Doll, David Crockett, and uh, Ricky Morton. I did it. And so, and that, and that was just great. And that was awesome. And we also had a little Jim Cornette in there too. He, he, he shows up to tell uh, a few stories, you know, as well. So that one's a little anomalous because everybody's kind of, you know, disparate um, in that because of the flight thing. And, you know, yeah, Cornette's gotcha. not traveling for anybody, but uh, <laughs> it's a really great episode. And, and it's really focused on the heels. It's focused on the heels of the territory and Nikita Koloff, man. Wow. Uh, we really kind of dove into just the making of his character because he really could have been like a CIA agent in as far as how far he took the gimmick. You wow. Know? Once again, total kayfabe all the way. Oh, my God. It's crazy. He, you know, obviously, you know, changing his name, adopting the accent, but he would not drop the accent even to the boys. You know, he kept in character all the time. He got Russian propaganda magazine sent to his house, you know, to, so, so he could work the mailman to make sure he knew. <laughs> got to work the mailman. <laughs> it was so crazy. And he tells even this amazing story where, you know, when Rocky Four was popping off, when they were looking to cast Ivan Drago, you know, Nikita got uh, a call for a uh, he got a call for a um, audition for the movie. And even like Stallone and all the people who are auditioning him basically got him you know wanted to audition him because they thought he was russian you know and he's just right. scott simpson from minnesota you know right and so the whole time he's even working them in the audition process that he's real you know he didn't get the part obviously but still just the fact that you would take it that far and 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 he still has never changed his name back you know he's still nikita koloff on his passport and really yeah yeah and i think there's also a thing where he said that when his daughter was yeah. born he like on, on his daughter's birth certificate, I think he put something about like, you know, that, that he's from, you know, Russia on there. So there's like, you know, it's in the official documents that she's you know part Russian or something. It's like crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. So just the fact that he took it that far, like he, he's literally like undercover, you know, yeah. in the wrestling locker room pretty much. Well, I, and once again, just the links to the guys who go for kayfabe is amazing to me. I just love that. And I've never, I've never met Nikita Koloff. He's one of the few guys that have, you know, have been around so many years, but never, uh, never oh, wow. met him before. He's so, great. Yeah. He's so nice. Super nice guy. Great stories. Um, right. You know, we had him on the Road Warriors episode of Dark Side, and yeah, it was just right. really cool to be able to, you know, even though he didn't make it for the panel, we got him in the show and telling you know the stories, and uh, it was great. How about for uh, Mid South? So Mid-South was, uh, this is a heavy hitter one. It was Jim Ross, uh, Michael Hayes, nice. Ted DiBiase, and Jake the Snake. Oh, wow. That is, that's a, is a big one. It's a big one. Yeah. And so that was awesome. And just, you know, a lot of getting into the Freebirds antics and stories and uh, obviously Junkyard Dog, you know, and just those angles in, in terms of, you know, Michael Hayes talks about the heat that they had during the angle with, you know, junkyard dog where, you know, a guy came to the, uh, a guy came to the arena and they found and that he had a gun and he had a bullet with, you know, free bird engraved on it, you know, and all those <laughs> classic tales. There's also a great story that Jim Ross tells. There's a lot of them actually that he tells about, um, Leroy McGurk, you know, who was the, the promoter at one juncture there in the territory. And he was losing his eyesight. He was like totally blind. And, um, Ted DiBiase was dating Leroy McGurk's daughter, Mike, and that was kind of a forbidden thing, you know. And so JR tells a story about how Leroy was plotting to actually murder 
uh, Ted DiBiase, and he, and they went so far as to concoct the plan, which was that Jr. was to take Leroy, a blind Leroy, and set him up like right in front of the hotel door, <laughs> like in a chair, you know, and just tell me, you know, guide my hand to where I should point the gun at the door, <laughs> and then you know, and then Ted's gonna walk in, and we're gonna shoot him, and so it's just crazy. Yeah, it's great. It's great. It's great. So there's just a lot of it, it was it was pretty amazing, you know. And obviously that territory, you know, kayfabe's at an ultra high, you know, in in that too. In terms of, again, you know, there's a classic story. If you if you lost a bar fight, you know, if you were a wrestler, yes. a fan challenged you to a bar fight and you lost it, you were out. You were fired. You know, so the stakes were really high in mid south to keep up, you know, appearances. So we get into a lot of that too. That's amazing too. Yeah. If you lost the fight, you'd be you'd be gone. That was very much frowned upon, you know. Let's talk about world class championship wrestling. Oh man. I mean Yeah, we got to reunite with Kevin Von Eric, which was amazing. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, uh, obviously it was great seeing Kevin. So we had to have Kevin Von Eric back in the show. So many great stories too emanating from that territory. I mean, we've done so many episodes that kind of center around world class. So it was cool. It was cool to be able though to to tell stories about world class. Obviously, a territory that suffered so much tragedy, but not even to even we didn't even go there. You know, it was all just about the the best, most insane stories. And my favorite because okay, so we had Kevin Von Eric, David Manning. Chavo Guerrero actually is on that show too, and he helped kind of moderate it. You know, he was kind gotcha. of steering the ship there, which was great. Um, obviously, you know, with his dad, had yeah. spent a lot of time there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he knew very well. Oh yeah, it was great. It was great. And we also had, um, oh man, uh, Brian Adias, mm-hmm. and we had uh, Jimmy Garvin. Oh, and Jimmy Garvin's great man. What an yeah. amazing, amazing guy, great storyteller. But my favorite anecdote story from that episode. We spent a lot of time talking about Chris Adams, gentleman Chris Adams, who was a pretty wild dude. Seemed like a very nice dude, but after many drinks, not so nice. Yeah. And, you know, world class was was huge over in Israel. They were they were over in Israel. So they would go over to Israel all the time and have huge sellout shows. They were like the Beatles over there, you know, Von Eriks were. And so they're over there in israel and chris adams uh gets cut off the bartender cuts him off he's like no more for you sir and so then chris adams like he he would in that situation basically super kicks the bartender's eye out another eyeball story (laughs) of course so he super kicked the super kicks the bartender's eyeball out (laughs) and um and then someone alerts David Manning. And David Manning is the uh, uh, longtime referee. He was the booker. He was Fritz von Erich, the promoter's right-hand man for years. So David Manning's over there. He gets wind of this in the middle of the night that, oh, my God, Chris Adams has super kicked this guy's eye out. We got to get him out of the goddamn country now, you know. So David Manning's running around trying to get Chris's passport. And it's a whole elaborate scheme of how he's able to – because I think they took their passports. Yeah. Yeah. And he got the passport – got him into a cab, got him into the airport, and literally right after he had got him, snuck him out of the country, not even two minutes later when he finally was able to lay down back in his hotel room, was there a knock on the door with all the authorities saying, uh, where is Chris Adams, you know, right now? And and many say that if he didn't get him out of the country, you know, Chris Adams would probably still be there right today, you know? So oh, yeah. it was like a crazy sort of incident but it's a it's a pretty wild story <laughs> just the fact you could do that back in those days you know what i mean whisk somebody out of the country that happened yeah. to me when i kicked the flag in brazil and they wanted to arrest me for for a felony kicking a flag is a felony and and i had to escape oh the country in the dead of night 
uh, yeah, Vince was like, I got to get you out of this country. And then as soon as he got into the country, he fined and suspended me for, for a month. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, my God. There gosh. you go. You got to do Chris Jericho's Tales of the Territory. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And the last episode that you have for the season is uh, Polynesian Pacific Pro. Once again, I don't know much about th- about this at all other than uh, Rock's grandmother and his, his, his grandfather ran it. Yeah. And it was a place to go when guys were coming back from Japan or going to right. Japan for a little bit of a vacation. Other than that, I don't know a lot about it. Who did you have for that uh, panel? Yeah, that was a really, it's a super fascinating episode because again, like, yeah, we didn't know a whole lot. It's it's a a, a deep cut territory, so to speak, in terms of just the sure, history. Yeah. Um, and so it was very educational for us, you know, and, and it has it has such a, you know, wild history as well. And, and just like you said, it was the stopover to Japan. So it was also kind of had a target on its back a little bit where a lot of, other, you know, the American promoters, you know, wanted a piece of it or wanted to take it over or wanted to push her out of the business, you know, push uh, Leah Maivia, Rock's grandfa- uh, grandmother out. So we had for this panel, we had downtown Bruno because uh, he basically, you know, he, he broke into that territory and that's how he really. Yeah. Yeah. He broke into that territory. And, you know, Rocky Johnson, I think that's where he met Rocky Johnson, obviously Rock's father and, um, you know, became a huge, you know, that's how he sort of, you know, forged his connection to that family so he's on the show we also have lars anderson and Mm. lars anderson is tough old school dude and he was the booker uh i think at one point he was really liam Maivia's like right hand man i mean as as well too so really cool to get him on the show we had rocky iakea who is king curtis iakea's son and he tells some amazing stories about his father and the territory and gives a great history, too, of it, you know, um, as well. And then we had Kevin Sullivan. So Kevin Sullivan, we had kind of, you know, double dipped on Kevin Sullivan for the show. But he's great because he also booked over there. And uh, I think he spent almost a year in the territory. So it was great. It was it was awesome. And um, there's so many stories. I mean, there's the extortion trial, which is covered in Young Rock. But this is kind of the sort of doc version of that where, you know, Leah Maivia uh, was embroiled in this kind of FBI um, investigation, you know, that that went on. So there's that. There's also the story, um, I think, from the 70s or was it the late 60s where there was a match with King Curtis that um, devolved into a crazy riot. Uh, that's one of the cra- probably the craziest wrestling riot story we have in the whole season was in Polynesia. <laughs> so we definitely get into that as well. So yeah, it's an awesome episode. Very excited about it. Well, like I said, it's a, it's a great concept. And I think it, once again, you mentioned, you know, dark side of the ring with some kind of, you know, sadder stories. Uh, this is not that. I mean, there's some sad moments that it's much more of just kind of fun, uh, ridiculousness of how things used to be. And I just really, really enjoyed watching it. It was very, very cool. So you've already talked about possibly maybe doing a second season. Last thing, let's talk about Dark Side of the Ring. Are you planning on doing some more? Is that something that, that's been spoken about? Oh, yeah, definitely. It's, 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 it's really interesting because, you know, when we decided to do Tales from the Territories, like I said, you know, was in the making since 2019. We finally got the opportunity to do it. And obviously, we just, you know, when, when Vice picked it up, it was like, okay, well, this is, this is kind of was going to occupy that space, you know, after season three, you know, to, to really, you know, focus on this and to produce it, to get it off the ground, uh, kind of establish what it is so it can kind of live on its own eventually. Um, we had no intention of net like stopping 
doing dark side no we just need to put the focus like on this show like yeah. if we were doing sure. both at the same time you know one would probably suffer a little bit because of it but uh definitely <laughs> but you have the deal with vice and they want to do more and that's kind of always been in the yeah. cards yeah oh always yeah. always i mean it's it's their top show i mean there there's there's no reason to to stop it so it's funny you know, growing up as a as a wrestling fan, reading the you know newsletters and the Observer, <laughs> it's so funny when you're the subject of like speculation and the yeah. newsletters and oh they've canceled the show and all this stuff. No, 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 no. We're just like you know, we're just working on this other I know, thing. Like someone, I, I did press for my movie the other day, and uh, someone was like, "I'm sorry to hear like what happened with the show." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, what? Yeah, nothing happened. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Like you said, now you're embroiled in the controversies I of the know. wrestling business and you got heat with guys and guys oh, want yeah. to sue you. And so now oh, you know yeah. a little bit more about the business, right? Right. Oh, exactly. A hundred percent. But yeah, no, it's, it's in talks uh, right now. Everyone's going to hear something real soon. Um, we're just kind of getting that machine going again. So stay tuned. But yeah, definitely not not going anywhere for sure. It's 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 definitely here to stay. And when does Tales from the Territories start? Tales from the Territories will premiere October fourth uh, on Vice TV at ten p.m. and it's going to be the Memphis episode first. It'll be Tuesdays at ten on Vice TV. Second episode will be the Kaufman versus Lawler angle, and then I think AWA's after that, and then I can't remember. So. Oh, yeah. There we go. Well, dudes, it's great talking to you guys again. I'm excited to see the rest of the series. And like I said, what I've seen so far is, is amazing. And you guys got a, a great thing going with some good chemistry. And uh, I'm excited for Territories 2 and, and uh, Tales 4 and anything else you guys come up with over the next few years. Sweet, man. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, thanks, Chris. All right, dudes. Talk to you soon. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Chris. Take care, man. 